0: Now entering Nerdist.com. It's the Nerdist Writers Panel on the Nerdist Podcast Channel.
1: Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Writers talking writing can get pretty exciting. The talk can be lightning. It's very, very frightening. Ben Blacker talking writing with writers. Yeah! Tonight's panelists share a background at CalArts, from which they both graduated, and experiences writing uh, and otherwise working on The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. You guys like that, show? They are, respectively, the creators of Cartoon Network's The Regular Show and Disney's Gravity Falls. Please welcome J.G. Quintel and Alex Hirsch. Um, will you introduce yourselves on the microphone So the podcast listeners know what you sound like uh, My name is J.G. Quintel I'm Alex Hirsch I'm, I'm an enormous fan of both of your programs um, And what's more You guys have been in demand To be on these podcasts So here's what I want to know from you uh, And J.G., we'll start with you um, Why do people love your show so much?
0: Because <laughs> it's just a regular show <laughs> I save the good ones for work (laughs) Um, I think it's because when I started pitching the show Cartoon Network had asked about um, us aging up um, what we were doing and at the time we'd been working on Flapjack which was a TVY7 cartoon and I always really liked making things with like a very adult tone to them, like people who speak to each other how you would speak to your friends, and particularly people who are in college or high school. <laughs> um, and I felt like that's what made sense, and w- it's easier to write And instead of guessing what like young, young kids want to see. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it resonates more it just feels a little more real and jg talks exactly like mordecai if you haven't noticed already just, there is no
2: difference waiting. he walks in they record what he says they make that in an episode <laughs> done print it
1: it's true do you do you know who your audience is for the show well
0: they don't really keep track beyond f- people f- over 14 years of age, uh-huh. and our biggest demographic is like 6 to 11 year old boys. But I'm, I've seen stuff
1: online like kids walking out and their parents watching it, and <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about that. But yeah, that's really neat. Um, Alex, the same question. You know, the show is beloved. Um, what do you think it is th- about it that people respond to? This is Gravity Falls. Ah, I have, I have
2: no idea. I don't know what's wrong with you people. <laughs> who here make noises? Gravity people. Who yeah. people? Who watch it? you like the show? We should be asking them. Um, I I I don't know. Uh, I I don't have like a like a clear answer. It's such a the whole thing is an experiment, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was a big experiment. Like I wasn't I didn't come out of school like wanting to do kids TV necessarily at all. Um, like I don't watch most kids TV, uh, and so um, like when Disney called me up and said, "Hey, pitch a show," I thought, "Well, if if I was gonna make a kids show." I would have to make it really weird for me to want to work on it. And, uh, like, just... I've tried to... I've tried to fill it with weird and personal and, you know, specific things. Um, Like, a, a lot of the show is informed by the relationship between me and my sister and the ways in which we would get on each other's nerves and... Uh, I realized, like, I can make fun of my sister forever. Like, I will <laughs> never run out of stories to make fun of my sister with. Um, and I guess, I mean, as J.G. was saying, like, you know, his show is all about uh, observing the way he interacts with his friends. And, like, I try to take sort of ob- observations I remember from childhood. And I think when you do that, I think when you're, you're, you're comedy, and uh, whether it's character comedy or, you know, sort of, like, uh, satire, or whatever. When it comes from an observation, when it comes from some, something you've seen in life, rather than coming mm-hmm. from just you ripping off other TV or just this feels like a cute idea. You know what I mean? Like, I think the more specific it is, the more people relate to it and find their own selves in the show, and then mm-hmm. and then they think this is my show. This is for me. It's like they were talking to me. Yeah. Um, and anytime that can happen, it's a very fortunate thing.
1: Yeah. Let's let's talk a little bit about pitching um, about gr- pitching Gravity Falls. So you were approached by uh, Disney. Yeah. Is that correct? And and what, where were you at the time? What were you doing? Working for this dude.
2: <laughs> <laughs> on uh,
1: Flapjack. Yeah,
2: I was on Flapjack. Okay. Um, and uh, it was an awesome job. It was the best job ever. And I was I remember uh, I was board partners with uh, Pendleton Ward, Creative Adventure Time, I'm sure you all know. And uh, I just remember him telling me, like, you, this is the best job you're ever going to get <laughs> Neither of us No one here is ever going to get a better job Like, like this is per- And he was, he was absolutely right Like it was the most fun Like being a board artist on a board driven show Is an amazing amazing job But um, anyway I, I digress I yeah, was we'll,
1: we'll talk about Flapjack in a little bit Because yeah. I mean the, the shows that have kind of come, come out of that And the people who have come out of that It's really amazing I mean you guys are making an, you know The face of animated television right now But we'll get into it So tell me about Pitching (laughs) Gravity Falls You you were trying to think of What is the show That I would want to Right, 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 for a number of years. Yeah. Uh, and then what happened next?
2: Um, so I was, I was called up this guy, uh, Mike Moon. He was an artist-turned-executive, which is the first time in history that's ever happened before, <laughs> but it made him cool to talk to. Um, and uh, he just said, pitch us what you got. And I was like, I don't think I have anything that's very Disney. He's like, I don't care. Just pitch, pitch me anything, pitch me anything. Um, and so I brought him three ideas. Uh, two involved time travel. Uh, one involved time-traveling dolphins. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, I think there might be an episode in season two where... (laughs) Seuss pitches the show that I pitched to Disney <laughs> they, they did not respond to but the third one was, was Gravity Falls and it really just, like I hadn't put a lot of thought into it it was like the name and then like uh, me and my sister, Shriner Uncle Gnomes and whatever I could think of on a weekly basis <laughs> and ultimately I think it was like kind of like a Masonic conspiracy thing because Mike Moon is big into like Masons and Shriners and he saw like, Uncle Stan was wearing a fez and he's like let's talk more about this um, So did you, did you come the in? true answer, you might want to cut that out by no, the way no. but that's very true <laughs> I think that's what set me above the pack.
1: Did you come in with sketches of the characters?
2: Yeah, yeah, okay, so for, I guess, people who haven't pitched a TV show, like, the first thing that I brought... Any any among you who haven't pitched a TV show? <laughs> this is L.A., I assume, like, the hobos have pitched TV shows. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, the first thing you need is, like, if you're pitching a show, like, you think, like, what if I was just trying to... Co- convince my friend that they, like, imagine the show already exists, and if you're trying to tell your friend, this show's really great, like, what would you tell them, right? Like, you'd want, like, a picture, and you'd want, like, a couple so it was like, I just had, like, one drawing of the core cast Um, and then like a little tagline um, and then just a few scenes that I came up with and I sort of described them and they thought that was funny so they said come back, flesh it out make it more like a show bible which is like, Mm -hmm. if you guys don't know what that is it's like a a document that sort of contains the embryo for all of the characters and situations and scenes in the show like what the show is supposed to be Uh, stapled a piece of paper together and you show it to them and if they like it you make a pilot and you test it and -hmm. uh, and if it tests well and if you're up against something that didn't test better your show gets picked (laughs) up and that feels like an overly
1: comprehensive answer. Th- th- that is. Uh, how, how much did that show, Bible, resemble the show that we now know?
2: Very, very much. Really? Very, very little changed, yeah. Um, I just sort of like I I think I lucked out that at the time Disney was looking for something that was an exact alchemy of something for boys something for girls something for younger kids something for older kids something that's uh, cute and also scary and has adventure and comedy they were looking for all of those things and a lot of people were trying to genetically engineer that show for Disney so it was like dude bro and his girl sister and like they were, they were pitching Gravity Falls but they were doing it fake you know what I mean like I just happened to luck out that I did have a twin sister and I did want to have comedy in action so like it was natural but it fit into what they wanted so they're like oh my gosh this is it this is the thing we've been searching for and we didn't have to give him notes to get him there just push it through and make it a show already
1: so was it a pretty easy process at that point I mean they liked the idea they liked the the uh, Bible. it was
2: yeah, and they, they were easy on me. I was hard on myself. Like I was always second-guessing it and changing it and, and, and rearranging it around. Um, yeah. But for the most part, kind of all the main pillars of like what makes it a show, what makes the characters who they are, were there from the very first pitch. Cool. And that's not normal. Usually there's yeah. a lot more evolution.
1: Uh, good. Well, we'll pick up there. When we yeah. come back, we'll talk about the pilot and stuff. Um, but, J.J., tell us about pitching and selling uh, the regular show. Um, <clears throat> I
0: was... On Flapjack, and the Cartoon Institute started up, which was Craig McCracken and Robin Zetti, um, looking for new shorts. And so I put a bunch of characters together from my student films, which was Two in the A.M.P.M. and the Naive Man from Lollyland, um, <clears throat> which. Were Inappropriate for children's television.
1: <laughs> but, but
0: you guys so haven't seen them watch them on YouTube. They're hilarious. Yeah, they, they, w- able-
1: they weren't specifically looking for children's animation, were they? They were just looking for animated. Well, they were looking for projects.
0: something aged up, but they couldn't use that and they knew it. But <laughs> <laughs> but I showed it to them and I was like, I want to make something like this. And they're like, okay. Um, I went in um, and the idea, which. You know, the core regular show about like these buddies a Blue Jay, a raccoon, a gumball machine, a Yeti, and a lollipop headed man. Like, I knew that they were gonna be like, this is complete crap. Like, this doesn't work. So I just brought in a picture. It was like one post it of Mordecai and Rigby and Pops running. And I was like, trust me, it's gonna be funny. But I was like, but just let me board it because otherwise it's gonna sound crazy. And they're like, all right, all right. And then I boarded the whole thing. And then I thought I was just going to show it to them, but all the executives came and watched that first pitch, and they were like, let's make it. And so then it
1: just... <laughs> what was in that? It was more than them running.
0: The pitch, the pitch that I showed, that, well, the, the post-it was that, but the right. pitch itself, when I pitched the board, was the pilot, like, verbatim. There were no okay. notes, no nothing. It's the pilot from the Cartoon Institute of them playing rock, paper, scissors for a chair <laughs> and opening up a portal. <laughs> <laughs> so something I just want to comment
2: on because I realized the one moment you said it that like that's the real answer. to The question is, I it took a, when I first pitched them the idea, they're like, yeah, it's cool. Pitch us again. I pitched them, yeah, it's cool. We'll show the big boss. We had a lunch. We sat down with him. He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so what do you got? And it wasn't until I pitched boards. And and I had to do it. I didn't have a scheduled pitch. I, I boarded out a scene. Like, I stayed up all night and I boarded out a scene, um, just off the top of my head, just, like, chasing the sun as it was coming up. Like, I just gotta come up with jokes. Um, and I, I went to this dinner with the executives, and uh, e- even though it wasn't supposed to be a pitch, I just, like, moved my fish across the table. I just, like, put the pages down. I'm like, I'm gonna pitch you now. I'm gonna do a pitch. Uh, Kids, uh, I'm Grunkle Stan. I just started doing this. Um, and, like, people Started looking over their food at us and stuff, but it it made them laugh. Like I did it. Like that was the trick. Like the moment you can make people in charge of entertainment laugh, they realize they can make money off of you. uh,
0: (laughs) Pretty much, showing them the board and pitching. Like really, that's like the best way for them to see the voice of the Mm -hmm. show, and they get it. Like they're watching it play in front of them. So if they like it, then that's your best chance.
1: But as much as you know, regular show is not is a very funny show, but it doesn't have these kind of. Huge set pieces and things like that, I mean, as much as they were playing and opened a portal, yeah um, you know there's you know, there 's not a lot of action I yeah. guess we could say, so you know uh, how what was the response to this pitch how did you tell, how did you get across who these characters are and what their dynamic is and what their world is i mean there 's a, a lot to put in there and still say, and it 's really funny well, a lot of it, I think people. You know, when they're initially trying to put
0: together a pitch, they run into these pitfalls, like, making a story that's way too complicated. And it's like, this is an 11-minute cartoon. And in this case, it's a 7-minute cartoon. So it's like, you get one thing. Like, they're yeah. playing rock, paper, scissors over a chair. And then that what you fill the time with are the character moments where you're, you're showing who these people are based on their actions. Like, how are they going to decide who gets the chair? Like, that's the simple story thing. Everybody can get that. But then it's like, what's going to make it funny is how they do it. So... They're punching each other. That was like my brother and I would punch each other all the time and get tons of fights. But, like, you know, they're just like me and my friends in college. Like all the <laughs> and the <laughs> like all that stuff. It's just stuff that we did. So it felt natural to just put it in. And, and then when they're watching it pitch, they're like, nobody fucking talks like that. Oh, my God. it's hilarious. And then, you know, it ends up going in. So.
2: Yeah. Uh, tell Speaking me, God. Speaking of nobody fucking talking like that, can we swear at this thing? Because oh. I've been holding back this entire time. Is it okay, made a mistake. With you guys? <laughs> I've been, uh. It's encouraged. Oh, okay, fantastic. I apologize um, to the children in the audience <laughs> if your parents are squares, because swearing is awesome. No, cut that part. <laughs> there are no
1: Disney representatives here, right? <laughs> um, so these characters, uh, JG, uh, are, you know, based on your friends, based on your you and your siblings, but talk about uh, distilling them a little bit to be the characters that we know now from the show.
0: I remember one of the big challenges was like at first I had Mordecai and I had Benson and I had Pops from those shorts and um, there was something that didn 't work about that combination because there was nothing there was nothing to really like fight back against like if Benson and Mordecai had been friends it 's like well they 're just going to do everything they want there 's going to be nothing to like <laughs> stop them so like Benson, in that short, yells a lot, and I was like, the boss needs to yell and he 's the machine he 's like all this, so he became the boss, and then I needed a friend for Mordecai, and that became Rigby which originated from just a post-it note with a raccoon hula-hooping. Um, sure. But I put them together, and, and originally they were almost exactly the same, and that was like, you know, a big note from the the network was like, well, what's the difference between the two of them? I'm like, well, <laughs> they're different. <laughs> I mean, one's really tall and one's really short. <laughs> but then I kind of figured out, you know, Mordecai's the more responsible one. He, he went into that realm, and then Rigby went more into the the kind of jerk realm willing to push to do anything and definitely shirking the chores and they both had that in them but Mm -hmm. then even they could you know have conflict between the two of them when they're trying to do things pops like remained the same always (laughs) always um (laughs) slightly mental um and then skips was the guy who was gonna like really know how to do things because they're never really gonna know how to do stuff (laughs) so they need someone to go and ask for help Um, Uh, and that felt like the good core cast at least
1: Yeah, and in assembling those characters, did stories start to present themselves to you? Yes. I mean, I knew Mordecai and Rigby
0: were going to be the main characters all the time, so it was just a matter of what are they going to do today, and it would usually start with not doing what you're supposed to do, which was me growing up always, (laughs) and then what did you do instead of that, and then how do you get in trouble once you get caught that you didn't do what you were supposed to do, and fixing the problem that you caused over here, and...
2: That's the Joseph Campbell story wheel right there right. <laughs> he just described. That's the storytelling structure.
1: Stick Don't around for Harmontown to. after this. Yeah. <laughs> um, Alex, the same question. You know, you started off with these siblings who are modeled after you and your sister. But mm-hmm. talk about distilling them, making them into distinct characters for television.
2: Yeah, um well uh, uh Mabel was really easy um because like I said like I observed my sister and so she does all these ridiculous things all the time um and particularly when we were younger like there was a she had a way of acting when we were like 10 to maybe 13 that I knew wasn't normal <laughs> and I knew it was I knew it was funny like she came to school one day I think we were like in, I don't know like 5th grade or something and she had the, do you guys remember troll dolls <laughs> she had this she had a troll doll sweater And it had, like, it had, like, actual hair, like, on the hair part. And it would, like, shed a hair, and it had, like, a jewel in the belly button. And, like, you know, I was... I was ten, but I was just like, this is this is really weird. What is happening So like just little things like that, I just like held on to them. And I'm like, okay, how can I like extrapolate that like the kind of character that would make that choice confidently is I, is the, my favorite character in the world. So like how do I just take that and apply it to everything um, that that character does? Um, and then like when I made like I saw Fly the Concords and the way that that uh uh, Kristen Shaw as Mel like talked to the boys in the band was like the way my my sister had like a different crush every week. And they're just like kinda like, Oh, she's cute but she's creepy. I'm like, that's my sister. <laughs> uh. So I knew i 'm sorry all if you 're listening to this i'm sorry you 're procrastinating. you should get back to your homework she 's in grad school right now she 's listening to this she 's listening to it in the future while procrastinating from her homework. This is going to be very surreal from her when she hears it anyway um, so like once I had like Mabel figured out, dipper was a lot harder because it was like it was he had to be a straight man and like i mean you i 'm sure you 've experienced this with like Mordecai like even though he 's like you know, he likes to screw around. He's also kind of the straight man to Rigby's antics, and those characters can be sort of hard to write sometimes because if you write them wrong, they turn boring really, really quick.
0: Well, it's really clear to see, like, when you want him to do something like that you think is going to be really funny, but you're like, nah, Mordecai can't do that. It's got to be Rigby. He's got to be the one to, you know...
2: Right. If they're supposed to be really stupid, you give it to the stupid character. If they're supposed to be jealous, you give it to the jealous character. And then you're like, what is this character? Um, So, I mean, Dipper was a lot harder. I decided, like, because I, as a kid, was also kind of nuts in my own way. Um, But, like, I realized two characters who are just nuts completely all the time. There's no contrast there. So I had to kind of push Dipper into more of these sort of straight man logic. Um, Like, when I was a kid, I was really into, like, the X-Files and UFOs and stuff. So I was like, how can I, like, kind of kind of have him be the guy who sees the world through that lens, and then... The more you can get your characters to be different from each other, like the more you can have them like each other but be very separate. Like it's sort of trying to come up with like, oh, like crayons in a crayon box. Like each color needs to be separate, you know what I mean? Like for it to look like an interesting lineup of characters and then they all contrast and mix with each other. But if you've got like a character that's like orange and then a character that's sort of like dark orange, you're like, I don't I'll just use the orange one. Like what do I do with this? Like if you've got two characters who are just like totally silly all the time, there's no contrast, it's boring, you can't mix them around, you can't play with them. If all the
0: characters are the same, they're going to be like, hey, do you want to go to the store? Yes.
2: yes. <laughs> Who's going to stop us? Not me. Let's go. We went to the store. Credits.
0: Everything yeah. <laughs> Everything will go as planned. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah, you're just trying to like come up with, like generate characters for, like, crystallize them for maximum, like, conflict and, like, how can they bump into each other? And then just, like, the the uncle, uh, the great-uncle Stan um, character was sort of like, I just, because it's a kids' show, I want to have a character that could just be an unrepentant asshole constantly. Like, break rules and do all the things that you're not supposed to do on a kids show Um, and uh, I also just I thought like there's a funny tension about like the idea of a character who shouldn't look after kids looking after kids (laughs) like that's just really funny to me like somebody who's like an old bachelor who's like out in the middle of the woods doing like semi-illegal things constantly looking after cute shiny Disney protagonists for a summer Um, like that seemed like it would provide sort of maximum contrast Um, but I, I screwed up though I made a mistake I made a fatal flaw making this show, mm-hmm. um, which becomes more apparent the more stories I have to write, which is uh, uh, I, sh- I should have had more, more characters. I should have had more characters. Like, this is a thing.
1: Well, th- this is something I wanted to talk about, yeah. is this world building that both yeah. of you have done. Because you have, you know, expanded the world and the characters and all of this. Uh, you know, is, is this a necessity of storytelling? Have you found yourself backed into a corner and needed more world? Or, you know, does it come... Naturally. Does it doesn't naturally evolve out of uh, the, the world you've already created.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it naturally, like, uh, generates from the nucleus you've created, um, but sometimes you find out, like, oh, like, I wish I had had this nucleus. Like, for me, personally, like... This is a 20-minute show. It's a half-hour of television. Um, and, like, you can't, there don't, those aren't, those aren't a thing. Like, kids' network half-hour animated comedies that aren't anime or action don't exist. Um, and so, like, when I pitched it, I sort of pitched it with the more 11-minute model of, like, oh, like, Flapjack was three characters, yeah. Gravity Falls is three characters, Dipper, Mabel, Grunkle, Stan, and throwing my buddy Jesus from college for good measure. <laughs> you got a show. Um, and, like, I didn't realize, like, oh, like, if you watch, like, half-hour animated sitcoms, of Development or Parks and Rec or Seinfeld or whatever, like, They've got at least five, usually seven, important core characters, and you just, that way you can have A, B, C, D stories intertwining with each other, and it, it fills the space better, and they can all interact with each other. And I discovered pretty quick oh, shoot, only three characters, and one of the characters can't see the magic. How can I make th- how can I make this work? Um, like I-, I honestly wish I had had another coworker at the shack or uh, a cousin or somebody else who had like some diametrically opposed wants that was closer. You know what I mean? Like you always want a reason for them to be next to each other. Like they work together or just, they go to school together. Just make
0: an episode. I just bring need someone to bring.
2: In. Well, we're doing that, and season two does does do that. But again, it's hard to do without it feeling false. You know what I mean? You don't want it to just be like I'm the new cool guy. And everyone's like I don't I don't believe you, Kulo. <laughs>
0: you could do what, you could do what we did we like had a whole half hour special which i you do in half hours are insane, man. They're really very hard.
2: Difficult. Never do that, by the way.
0: But we brought in, like, Thomas. And it's really funny to see the reaction online of people. Like, they're really like, come on, where's Thomas? And it's like... And I, I never, like, get to explain it, because in the show you just play it. But it's like, he's an intern. Nobody talks to the interns. <laughs> like, that's so real. And we've all been interns before, so... Anyway, like, he came on, and it was like, oh, he'll be this cool addition, and then he just kind of faded into the background.
1: <laughs> well, were you were you faced with too many characters? I mean, you've also expanded the world in, in a lot of ways. Well, you know, when we have characters that end up,
0: like, starting to come back, it usually came from, uh, like, there'd be a villain of some sort in an episode, and if they were really funny to us, we'd slowly try to, like, bring them back.
2: Yeah, how can they be in the and core? And find another episode,
0: yeah. and also, you just, like, they... Show up in the background as a background character, everyone's for all, and you're like, oh yeah, what about him? We should do something about him. And so, I mean, we in regular show have gotten away with killing a lot of characters. Um, <laughs> you can do that. We, we, <laughs> Old man McGucket dies in season two. Everybody, <laughs> do it. It's hilarious. I'm just, so sorry. You just have him like, fly away and explode in the background, and just don't have him say, I'm okay. <laughs> That was the old Cartoon ne- Network rule.
2: Yeah. As a character if they got hit by a bus would have to say I'm okay. Right? You're
1: gonna have to talk your way into being able to do that over there.
0: <laughs>
2: I talk my way into a lot of stuff over there. <laughs>
1: Let's talk about that for a second. How did you two both wind up on your own shows? Yeah, we're just
2: horrible egomaniacs. Let's cut the subtext, guys.
0: Um, Nobody's doing it right. I'll just do it myself. No,
2: that's exactly (laughs) it. I'm sure that's how it was for you, right? Like, you just were like, I know the voice of this character. Well, for me, like, the
0: shorts already existed, and so my argument was, they already exist. They already exist. I have to do it. They're like, you're not in the union. You're not, come on.
2: Join the union. Done. Did. Done. Over.
0: No, that was we. We actually auditioned for every single role, and even though, like my friend Sam, is there a CD of of Mordecai auditioned somewhere, or did you? There yeah, they're somewhere are. in your in like okay. a bottom of a drawer. You've got those, okay. you know. And we tried, but in the end, I was like, "Look, seriously, go what's on, going on, dude? Time? It's me,
2: Mordecai,
0: right? They, didn't they all sound like that? All of them sounded that like, like that, right? That was the top ten. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, "Dude, you're so cool, man. And those then, are the uh, options. Yeah, horrible. But they they eventually said yes and let us do all the voices that we
1: wanted to do. But it was a bit of a ordeal. Was Was it a sort of traditional casting? Uh, for the rest of the voices, the voices who were not y- you and your friends?
0: Well, yeah, we would do, like, a cast call, casting call, and they'd send us, like, 20 people trying to do it. And I remember uh, Mark Hamill, he actually read for Pops. And, <laughs> and he sounded awesome, but I was like, ah, oh, Sam is Pops, he already did it. And then I was like, but it's, but it's Mark Hamill. <laughs> And then, so I called him in to do other auditions for other characters. And when he did skips, it was perfect. So I was like, yes, I can't believe you want to do this.
2: <laughs>
0: when, when And, and when uh, when Sam Marin
2: auditioned for Pops, he was just your friend in college for a 24-hour film you made, right? Like, yeah, well, Didn't he was, do it in the original La-
0: Naive Man from Wilder Short at CalArts? He Arts? did, and at CalArts... Um, Getting a quality sound recording is next to impossible, so I... We didn't have iPhones back then. No. <laughs> I had a DAT machine, and I had...
2: They don't uh, know what that is.
0: <laughs> like, it's Google. kind of like a tape player. Do you guys know what tapes are? <laughs> it's the an analog... D- I. It's m- a magnetic MP3. strip in a plastic case. Um, no, no, like i wanted sam to do the voice i actually have the video of him and that's going to be on the season one and two dvd as a special feature is the recording of him doing pops's voice for the first time ever for awesome. the short and he's just Which? reading by himself a piece of paper and he even moves his body back and forth as he does like the waiter's voice and then pops's <laughs> voice he didn't have to do that but he was just so into the the moment of it that
1: it was a really cool thing and people can hear that on the season one and two DVDs. <laughs>
0: then it's out right now. <laughs> Go buy it. <laughs> Stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> You're, You're
1: wasting it. your time. Pause it here.
2: <laughs> but that's like just amazing good fortune on your part, that the guy in the cube next to you at college, who was an amazing artist, was also an amazing voice actor. Yeah, that like, was your like. Just like the guy I was roommating with, Ian Worrell, became my art director because he was just like an amazing... Like, that's the... One of the great probably the best thing about art school for me anyway, was just like it's the connection you 're around a lot of really talented people who really care, and like they 're going to wind up making shows and stuff and it 's better if you 're friends <laughs> <laughs>
0: it 's true you 're going to spend a lot of time together.
1: yeah, uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about assembling these teams uh, that you guys have put together. How much of it were was people from school, how much was you know flapjack people? Uh, where did you find all of these great artists and on storyboarders and writers and stuff? On Flapjack, we picked a lot of people from school that we knew. Like, I had met
0: Thurup in a screenwriting class at CalArts, and then we worked on Camp Lazlo together. Um, I got my first kind of writing gig on that show, which was like a board-driven show. And so when Flapjack started, he wanted to do the same thing, and then we were looking for board artists. And on a board-driven show, you have to write and board. You don't get scripts. Right. So Alex was somebody from school that was a couple years um, below us, and I remember we called him up, and we called uh, Penn, Penn Ward, Sean Sellis, like a bunch of guys that, like, all work on (laughs) pretty much – after flapjack ended or as it was ending uh adventure time kind of took half of the guys and regular show took the other half and we just like and then i had to find other people cuz you guys <laughs> took
2: everybody i literally called up friends at like dreamworks and pixar and was just like i'm stealing you guys <laughs> because JG and Ben have gotten everybody else that i know already <laughs> but yeah between us we we just we took <laughs> we took flapjack took every piece of that buffalo
0: yeah uh, <laughs> and it still wasn't enough i mean yeah, no, the first it's true. season of regular show we were down like horribly we only had maybe half of the necessary crew to to write it so we were writing a lot of the episodes ourselves as well and then um i put together a writing test to try to find people because it is really hard to find people who can write and draw and actually like comic people they're some of the best people because they do that all the time in their own work um and you just have to find somebody that has a similar tone. And it got a little bit easier once the show had been airing because some people already watched the show, so they got it. But finding people from scratch, you get some bizarre
1: stuff. <laughs> when you hired them all. No, we don't. <laughs> um, it, it, regular show, is a board-driven show? Yes. Okay. Um, Gravity Falls is not necessarily. Right, not at all. Tell me how uh, an episode comes together, please.
2: Ah. Uh, Oh, if only I knew my life would be so much easier um yeah, so uh, so like a little bit about the difference between a board driven show and a script driven show because this is something that like only exists in the world of like kids daytime animated t v and it's not well known there aren't lots of podcasts about it, so we're going to like set the I, record straight. I will say
1: we a pen has been here okay, and, uh, so he's we've been had some explaining my little, little pony it. and various other people right, so you can go look for those episodes, but please the, just give the, us the, the, a the quick uh,
2: primer on it is yeah. that um. Uh, the, the sponge, I'll call it the SpongeBob model uh, just you know, because everyone recognizes that as something that works and was a big hit. Uh, like basically, uh, writers write an outline. It's a page or two or three of the main beats of the story. They give it to a storyboard artist, and the storyboard artist or artists, if there's a team, write and draw the entire thing. So they are essentially, they're the writers, even though they're called board artists, they're the writers. They're also sort of like the directors, because the director is going to be, you know, directing the voice actors and timing it and stuff, but choosing all the shots and deciding, like, all the things that you think of a director doing, a lot of those are done by the board artist. So yep. each board artist is like a little mini filmmaker on a board-driven show, and that's a huge amount of faith and trust put in each individual
0: board artist. They are making your show. Um, it can work extremely well when you have people who know what they're yeah. doing, and if if they botch it, which can happen. It's happened many times on regular show. Where
2: Then you just have a black hole. The writing isn't good, the, the drawing person, isn't good, the yeah, directing isn't good. You have to redo the whole thing yourself. yourself. For free. Um, <laughs> 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 um, uh, and, that's, and that works. And it's really I've seen the process work really great as it did on Flapjack, as it does on regular show, on, on Adventure Time. Um, but it's, it's a lot harder to do that process for half hours because, at least in my experience, when you're boarding and you're doing a board-driven show, a lot of these guys um, and, uh, and ladies Yes. They uh, they're really good at like gags and 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 dialogue and action, but like the longer it gets, just the harder it is to keep track of all the story pieces. And like stories want to be boring, like their natural state is to be boring. And like the worst thing you can do as an entertainer is bore your audience. And the longer your story is, the easier, the more it wants to get boring. Like the boring gravity is like threatening to pull it down. And the way you can stop it from being boring is with like a functional structure, like a structure that gives you something to like gives you questions at the beginning of the episode and setups that get paid off and has a twist that happens in the middle. And there's so much structure necessary with a half hour that I just, I did not have any faith that myself or even some of the best people I knew could do a half hour, you know, to do 20 half hour season based on the board-driven process. So it had to be scripts. Um, I pitched as a script-driven show from the get-go. Disney said, we've never done one of those. I said... I'm only doing it as a script driven show. I do not have faith that this can be done as a board driven show. They said all right, get to it. Um and so it's it's essentially the same model as like, you know, like a show like The Simpsons except they've got 20 writers and we have 4. <laughs> um, but we still have the same deadlines. Um but yeah, so you know, you you write an outline and then you uh hand a draft off to a we beat out the story in the room. Beating a story, uh, that's a thing, people don't that know what that horrible. means. Yeah, we beat off in the room a story. Cut that part. Um, <laughs> we beat a story out of each other <laughs> using our words. You can't make it sound. There's up. no way to come back from that. We should address actually breaking a story. What that a, means?
1: Breaking a story, breaking a story is the actual, a story. that also
0: is a confusing uh, term. Because
1: we do get asked that quite a bit, so do you want You guys want to explain breaking, breaking a story? story? It's
0: Well, I don't know about your process, but for us... Um, When we're writing, we play these short games where we throw fake titles into a hat, just titles that we think sound cool for real episodes. And then we spend two minutes, everybody in that room, writing as much as you physically can to get a full episode out. (laughs) As simple as possible, of course. And then we read them all out loud. At the end of it, doing that for an hour, you get like 125 ideas. And then you read them all, and if there's any of them that everybody laughs at that are worth falling through that aren't, like, a huge shit joke. Um, which is, like, half of them, probably, right? Them. Yeah. Half of them are garbage. Um, then then we move forward to uh, writing out a springboard, which is, like, a half a page, like, three-act structure, just as simple as possible. Like, what is the goal? What do they do to try to attain the goal? How do they get the goal? And, like, it's so funny how hard it is for people to do that it sounds so simple but it's like they always want to deviate or do something that has nothing to do with the goal or change the goal in the middle and you're like no the goal doesn't change you (laughs) set it and then you pay it off at the end that's it and um, at the end of that once you finally have it set then you go to an outline which is like three pages of just more detailed it's, it's essentially the same thing. It's just blown out. And the board artists haven't been involved at all at this stage yet. There's no board artists' involvement, but there's also no dialogue in this. Maybe a few suggestions of dialogue, but for the most part, it's still just like this is where they are, here's who's in the scene, and here's what kind of story point you're going to get across.
1: And at what point does Network become involved? Do you guys run stuff by them? We'll give them that, and then they'll approve
0: it, and then we'll give that to the board artists. And if they have notes, we'll like, let them know their concerns. And then they'll have about a week with two people to draw and write the whole thing which is about 200 to 400 drawings. Um, They'll pitch it, and then we'll give notes, and they have to address those in another week, and then they'll clean it up for a couple weeks, and then they move on to another one. And there's always, like, every week, there's another one going out. So it's like every week, new story, handed out, and the process is, like, just constantly... Rolling and you can't stop the machine once it's started.
2: So as a guy, JG is like uh, he's like Mordecai, but as a boss, he's more like uh, he's more like the gumball guy, basically. <laughs> Just picture that. No, no, he's, there's, no boss. there's no yelling. <laughs> Just silent hatred. <laughs> Just give it to me.
1: <laughs> um, and then on, on Gravity Falls, you guys are breaking the story. Uh, all, the four of you together, I mean, the writer's room together?
2: Yeah, it, usually the sort of inspiration stage like like J.T. talked about, there's any number of just, like, games or just, like, you're trying to find a seat of something that you're so excited by that you'll be willing to go through five drafts and, you know, ten months of retakes and animation and voice. Like, do we love this, you know, is that, is that, that first question. Is there something in here that we really think is going to work? And, and once there's an area that we all agree on, um, yeah, it's just basically... Uh, when you're doing a half-hour show, um, breaking the story—the phrase "breaking"—when I first heard that before I was a writer, I was like, "Oh, does not that mean ruining something? <laughs> like,
1: isn't that it like, like breaking a horse?"
2: The, the, where that term comes from is uh, act breaks. So it's a, act one, act two, act three, and uh, like y- there's two commercial breaks in the middle of a half-hour show. So those are the act breaks. So breaking a story means breaking it into acts. Um, if you're doing like an 11-minute, it still has a three-act structure. It just doesn't have actual physical breaks in there's the middle no of it. There's no like intermissions or you know little cuts in the middle. Um, but so like we're just trying to figure out like just like JG said like what do the characters want And, and for Gravity Falls there's a particular thing we need which is like there needs to be a character issue between the characters and there needs to be some magical element and the character issue needs to be explored or resolved or challenged through the magical element in a way that seems like interesting and cool and funny and not totally random and stupid and we've done ones that are totally random and stupid like we don't always pull it off but it's like we're trying to find that marriage between like you know, what, in what way can the animated action be like a visual metaphor for the internal struggle of the characters? And once we've cracked that, then it's just, okay, what are the funniest situations we can get out of it? How can it change from Act 1 to Act 2? What ratchets up the tension? How can we pay off things? How can we set them up invisibly so you don't notice they're being set up? Sometimes we fail at that. Sometimes it's really obvious when it's a setup. up. Um, and that's just all like writing structure. I, I could talk about that junk forever, but I don't know how much time we have.
1: Are there are there episodes you think that have really succeeded in that ideal that you guys go for? Um, there there's an episode that I don't think is perfect, but I, I
2: think I was so happy with the structure when we cracked it. Um, it's uh, it's the for ones of you have seen the time travel one where Mabel gets her pig. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is something that I wanted to put in the show. I like the idea, and I pitched this to the executives early on. I was like, this is a show that changes. Mm-hmm. Like, when characters, like, uh, if the characters are in a relationship, they're in the relationship in the next episode. If they break up, they're broken up in the next episode. If they get a pet, they've still got the pet. You know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it, it's and that, it makes writing harder, but it also makes you believe the stakes more. Because, you know, like, we subconsciously put this little thing in the first episode where the main character start, does the whole episode with one hat, and then he loses his hat and he needs to get a new hat, and he puts on a new hat, and now he's got that new hat for the rest of the series. And that was literally just my little way of trying to say when something changes, it can change forever. Um, and so believe the stakes. Um, but anyway, on to the structure of this, this episode. We, we had a story where um, I, I wanted to do an episode that put Dipper and Mabel against each other, that put them, like, what are the things they want most in the world, and what's a situation that can have it so that only one of them can have the thing they want? So it's like the structure of that episode was... Uh, um, Dipper uh, is going to the fair with the girl he's got a crush on, Wendy. He accidentally beams her in the eye with a baseball. And it's like the worst mistake of his life. And he would do anything to undo that moment. And everybody can relate to something where the moment you said the wrong thing, you're like, oh, my, oh my God, I would do anything to go back to five minutes and erase that. I was like, okay, that's a want where I believe Dipper would move heaven and earth to do this. Um, and then Mabel, was she found a pet pig that was cute. She, <laughs> she, she found a pet pig that was cute, and it was the cutest thing in the world. And she just got really lucky. She won it at the fair, and now she owns a pig. And we have had to come up with some sort of time anomaly math that would make it so that uh, for one of them to have one thing, the other character couldn't have the other, and they both had the time machine, and they both had to decide do I give up mine for you? Do I keep mine and say forget what you want? Um, and I, It was so great when we were able to come up with like a way to break that into three good acts where the characters started out as friends and they were really helping each other, and then suddenly this diametric opposite pulled them apart and it was like, time travel was used not just for paradoxes or whatever, it was used to give them that choice. Like, it was just a device to create that choice for the characters. And I feel like the best episodes use magic as a device to bring the characters closer to each other and to their choices. I feel like less successful episodes, they have a problem, magic nonsense happens, and then they resolve the problem and it has nothing to do with that problem. Um, Like, like, finding that marriage is what makes it like a coherent story, and that's 90% of what we're doing in the writer's room is just trying to find a structure as clear as that.
1: That's uh, JG, the same question. Is there an episode or two that kind of speaks to the ideal for you of what the regular show can and should be? Um, ours has
0: very similar structure as far as like it's a very mundane start and then. They go about trying to get it once they have their goal, and then there's a magical element that happens um, based on their choices, and then whether or not they kind of get it. And one, since you did a time travel one, I'll do one. (laughs) Um, There's one where Mordecai, um, it's called Bad Kiss, and it was an episode that we'd been, because regular show isn't actually like we're not doing a serial thing ours is standalone episodes because it's 11s and that's what the network wanted Mm -hmm. Um, but we're still subtly putting things in there that do push the characters forward permanently so that they're not always resetting to zero which can be frustrating because it's like story the most successful stories you do see a character make a permanent change Um, but with this one it was like he made a move finally and he went to kiss margaret and she said his Breath was bad, and so he wanted to take that back because he felt. These so episodes horrible. sound very similar. <laughs> and then, when did yours air? <laughs> the fans will know this information. So then, uh, Rigby helps him out with the time machine, and and they go through this big ordeal to try to. Is there a pig involved? <laughs> yes. No. Um, he just tries to cure his bad breath, and in the end, he can't make it work. And what he ends up getting to do is make a second choice as to whether or not he's going to go through with this kiss. And he he dodges the kiss so he doesn't have that horrible moment. But he also misses the kiss, and it's like a permanent thing. I think time travel episodes are really tricky the same way that, like, it was all dream episodes or, like, huge cop-outs. You spend a lot
2: of time investing in a reality that gets unreality. It's undone, and it's such
0: a cheat. So you always want to make sure that, you know, you're still having them make their choice and see whether or not it works. Um, the same thing with having characters' problems solved by something that isn't them. That's, like, like, incredibly unsatisfying stories to watch something just unfold because of something that happened that they had nothing to do with. Like, those are, to me, like, the worst. So you're always trying to make sure that it's your characters solving their own problems, and whether it works or not, like, they tried for it, and you It'll
2: always be it. more compelling, even if yeah. they lose. Exactly. If it was their choice.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that one was one that um, I thought worked really well. Makes sense. Um, Let's get some questions from you guys. If you have questions, please start to line up right here. Um, In the meantime, while these folks are doing that, uh, tell me about influences for you guys what is stuff you know whether it was growing up or you know once you started discovering things on your own what is stuff that you really responded to what do you think informs the, the material you're doing now and JD, let will start with you.
0: The Simpsons was a huge influence like growing up like I was a kid when it came on and um, I never missed an episode and like always quoted the lines like I'm sure pretty much What, what season did. was
1: it in do you remember when you uh, were watching it?
0: The beginning what was it? <laughs> yeah 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 um, I can remember it was like uh, that first episode of Santa's Little Helper where they got him from the track and it was just like, this is the best cartoon I've ever seen. <laughs> um, I also watched a lot of Rocco's Modern Life and then I was super pumped to get to work on Camp Laszlo because I was Joe Murray and so I got to work with him a little bit which was like really inspiring. and. Um, I watched a lot of British comedy, especially in college, because my roommate was uh, British, and so he exposed me to all this like really like quirky sensibility that really like kind of seeped into my brain, and it kind of like fused together. To what form. kind of stuff? Um, Mighty Boosh was like one of my favorite things, which was a big influence on me. Um, it Crowd, League of Gentlemen, yeah. Little Britain. Um, there's like a ton of hilarious stuff that they do.
1: Interesting. It's funny, I mean, watching the show, you can see all of these influences, though they're not readily apparent till you really mention them. Uh, Alex, what about you? What was stuff you responded to as a youth?
2: Sure, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Simpsons. It's, it, that's like the first and last answer to every question about influence. Like, that I, that's all I care. Like, I didn't... Like, I have so many friends I went to school with who are just, like, movie guys. They want to make movies. And, like, they, they saw Star Wars and their life was changed forever. And, like, I saw Star Wars. I was like, that's neat. And then I just went back to watching The Simpsons. Like, I just <laughs> wanted to do TV. You know what I mean? Um, like, that's, that's the main thing. I mean, I think when I was a, I really loved things as a kid that felt like they were smarter than I was. Because I felt like there was a riddle to solve, and I, I was also a pretentious kid, so I liked feeling smart. (laughs) But it's like The Simpsons was full of all these references I didn't understand. But when I finally did get one, it was so much more rewarding than watching most of the stuff for my age group. You know, Um, like I loved just like Calvin and Hobbes. Like the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes was like so smart, and they're making all these references to like philosophers, and I'm just like I'm keeping up with the characters, and so like I could follow it on that level. And then like the older I got, like you just go back, and it's always better than you remember. Like there's more. Layers you discover, um, like uh, I mean, that's I feel like yeah I loved I, I loved uh, Pete and Pete as a kid. Um, I still love Pete and Pete. Um, like that's a show that you go back and like talk about story structure, man. Like so solid and just like warm and like endearing. Like I don't know stuff stuff that had a lot of love put into it. You know what I mean?
1: Well, it feels like there's a big Pete and Pete and Erie Indiana and DNA in Gravity mm-hmm. Falls. You know, uh, were these conscious? uh callbacks uh it's I mean it's sort of
2: it sort of seeps in you know what I mean you can't help it it's
1: the stuff you responded to yeah okay. yeah,
2: yeah yeah um like I think I also just like stuff that had like massive contrast you know what I mean like like uh Simpsons you've got like Bart and Lisa, and they're these like, cute, fun, little cartoon kids, and then you've got a clown trying to murder them with a... You know what I mean? Like It could not be further opposites. Or like I really loved uh, Bone, the comic Bone, as a kid, because it's, again, like you've got these friendly little characters, and then these horrifying monsters. And I, like, it's, it's Same with like, Calvin and Hobbes. Like, Calvin would be like his cute little self, and then he'd go into a daydream about the most terrifying dinosaurs you've ever seen. And I was just like, whatever I make, I want to have that kind of contrast. That's you know nice. what I mean? I, I want to have a mix of styles. It'll make the cute stuff cuter, and the scary stuff Scarier if you put them next to each other.
1: Uh, all right, let's get some questions.
0: Who who are the artists or works of art that are outside of television that you go to for inspiration? Hmm. Like right now, <laughs> right now. Um, I've been watching a lot of um, Modern Family. Like the the story structure in that show and just the way they kind of like weave everything together and the character in it. It's like ah, oh, it's so good. Um, I, I do, like, I don't watch a ton of TV. I don't even have a TV. So when I do get to watch stuff, I like to watch that. And um, I'm trying to think of what else because I don't really get a lot of time outside of work. <laughs> like, it takes so much time just to make this thing. Yeah, we don't have lives. That's, that's an important thing. You'll be giving that up if you make a TV show. <laughs>
2: um, did you say television or outside of television? Outside. Outside of television. Outside I just of television. You completely answered the question. Wrong. <laughs> uh, uh Radio Lab does anyone listen to Radio Lab yeah um, I, lo- I, I like listening to podcasts that are like either sciencey or like, I'm not I'm sort of I'm really into like nonfiction stuff. I read like a lot of like biographies. Like, I, I'm just sort of interested in... just I'm, I'm interested in, like, science junk and, you know, like, and anything where I can, like, learn about the world because, like, it's interesting and also I might get something that I can use in an episode, you know what I mean? Um, but the, sa- the sad answer is there's not a lot of time spent outside of the television bubble for me and probably for J.G. either.
0: Yeah,
1: it's unfortunate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Uh, this is more towards J.G., but... Um, there's a character, uh, huge head, from the really real wrestling episode. Will he ever make a return? It's
0: very possible. Um, we have a lot of episodes to go. Yeah, <laughs> how many episodes do you do in a season? We do right now 40 11-minute episodes in a season, and we're working on our fifth season, so that's 100 160 right now. Yeah. Wow. Thanks.
2: I was wondering if you guys worried at all about character arcs. I know, J.G., you said that you don't really worry about that too much, but it does seem like lately you've been getting more into character development. And um, considering, I don't know how the whole, like, uh, when they renew the season works for you guys, but do you keep that in mind at all? Yes. Do do you mean like a season arc or an arc within an episode or an arc over a course of a season? Um, Kind of both, because um, just just if you keep in mind, like, the ending of the series or um, how the characters will develop over a period of time.
0: Yes, loosely because, again, we're kind of, like, stuck with doing episodes that can be just standalone and can be reran anytime, out of order and it will still work as a story. But then it will be richer if it is watched in order. So we are keeping track of, like, there's some big arcs, like Mordecai and Margaret is one of our bigger arcs. Um, and there's other things like when you watch back through the first season it's like Rigby was a real big jerk to Eileen but now like they're total friends and it's like slowly progressing Um, and we we do try to keep track of that and we have general ideas of where we want it to go like depending on how many episodes they'll give us so if they ever said this was the end we'd probably start like cranking into like the really intense ones but um, we try to like dole it out like an album so that hopefully
1: people are watching in an order and can really enjoy it and it feels like as much as you know you guys can embrace change in the world and the characters it it has to be so incremental i would imagine
0: it for us especially i mean yeah it's it's hard to make any like major changes because then all of a sudden it's like if people are watching them out of order some some of it's not going to make sense and i mean we don't worry too much about that but you know, what if you want to go back? (laughs) You're like, once you make that change, it's over. You got to keep, like, now it's a new, like, different show, and you want to make sure you don't damage kind of what made it cool in the first place.
2: Ours is a, is a lot less incremental. Like we, we we do have we have an ending planned out. We've sort of got like a, it, w- it was originally conceived as like a, a three season arc. I'm not entirely sure how long it's going to be episode wise, but we know the end. We know the middle. We know the beginning. Um, in terms of both the characters' relationships with each other and like the big mysteries of the series, um, this is this makes writing this introduces a whole extra challenge on top of the weekly difficulty of making a story that works on its own. Um, I I sort of intentionally did something that would be really hard and maybe I couldn't pull off because I I was curious you know what I mean I just like I've never seen anybody try to do this in kid's TV so I'm going to try and either I'll screw it up or it'll work but like either way like I'll gain information you know what I mean like and and I'll certainly challenge myself Um, like we have less of a we have less of a reset button you know what I mean Um, and that's they, I, I That's just the way I pitched it. I said, I want there to be continuity. I want things to change. Um, and that's the show. Like, take it or leave it. Like, I wasn't willing to compromise that. I wasn't interested in doing the other version. Um, and we, we have a big change that happens at the end of season one, and I can't give it away, that's made writing season two a lot harder. Because as you said, J.G., you don't want to damage the thing that made the show cool in the first place. Um, but we we kind of, we're kind of messing with stuff. We're kind of playing with it. Um just because it's, it's an exciting challenge. And we did plan it out. And for the most part, we have been following our plan. Um, but, like, yeah, like, when, you know, like, when Wendy and Robbie break up, like, they are broken up. Like, they're not going to be together in the next episode. Um, and that's, now you've got post-breakup Robbie. Like, that's a fun Robbie to write. You know what I mean? Like, he was a douchebag before. Can you imagine? Uh- what he's gonna be like now? Um, like it, it can create fun challenge. I'm really inspired by, uh, and this is a dumb thing to hear me say because I make a kids joke, but I, I'm really inspired by Breaking Bad because there's a show talk about breaking your premise where it's the show starts out it's like we're two buddies and we're gonna deal meth, and then like by season three it's totally I don't think different. That was the premise. It was the premise. No, because they could have done like they could have done a hundred episodes of just like yeah. we've got a weekly problem. Uh, you know, uh, it seems impossible. Walt science is his, his way out of it. Jesse and then has a smart idea at the end and then and then reset like they could have done a hundred of those and instead they're like killing villains and like having characters learn things about each other and somehow it gets better and better i'm not as smart as vince gilligan so it, it won't be as amazing as that necessarily but it'll be like us trying to see like what can we change in a kids show so
1: cool. that's
2: great all right we're, we're gonna try to get
1: through these as fast as we sorry can, i'll try to be quicker. We only have 10 minutes Hey, guys, not to um, put you on the spot, but could we get an improvised conversation between Mordecai and Grunkle Stan? Do, yeah. do not feel obligated. Do not feel obligated.
2: Why is there a giant blue jay in my living room?
0: Dude, what is this guy talking about? That
2: blue jay is talking. How irregular. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> Hi. Um, what have you learned about managing your workload and dealing with stress since you
1: got your show? Nothing. Next question. <laughs> I'd, also, I'd also be curious about what have you learned about managing people? It's actually um, at the beginning
0: when you're like we our first pickup was only for six um, half hours and we weren't sure if we were gonna to go to pickup. So we were really picky, like horribly picky about everything that the show was doing and we boarded a lot of the episodes ourselves and you know, you can't sustain that. You can't do the whole thing yourself. You need like a crew. And so you need to I learned pretty quickly like when you're hiring people and you try them out, if they don't work, you have to let them go. And you need to find people who can match the style. And you can't redo everybody's stuff. you got to find people who can do it themselves because that's what they're getting paid for. And the more people you add on that can do it, the easier it gets for you that you're just making sure that it's not crappy. (laughs) Like, you know, you can always add your jokes and go in there, but... Those first couple seasons were like so rough and if if it didn't get better, like it wouldn't have been sustainable. Well at
2: once all. people have seen the show it gets easier for them to come on and match your tone. Yeah. Like yeah. second season, third season, like I assume yeah, yeah. I'm only in second season, but it's already like people are coming in to work on the show who've watched the show and I don't yes. have to explain what a Seuss is. Like they know. <laughs>
1: So both of your guys' shows are technically kids' shows, but obviously they have a lot more like mature
2: humor. is at the word kids, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, technically. Um, t- <laughs> So is it, like, a fun challenge to be, like, oh, how am I going to tell this joke without really telling it, or is it more frustrating, like, why am I not just on Adult Swim and can I say this stuff?
0: <laughs> For us... Those are your two options. <laughs> Both, always? Yeah. For us, uh, it's kind of a fun challenge because at the beginning, we were, re- they were testing out this, like, TVPG rating, and so we really did get away with a lot. Um, and then when they started getting um, phone calls, <laughs> they started to, like, tone it down a little bit and we started to be like, you know, we'd get a count on like, hmm, you can say shut up twice in an episode or like, oh, we don't want to have any of that anymore and then it would come down to like you get like a sheet. It's an S P and p sheet uh, for the whole episode of like okay, you can do this, you can't do that, we're going to have to run this up the flagpole to see if it's okay and what we'll do is, if it's anything that ever says no, we'll come up five <laughs> with five things that are worse. <laughs> and we'll send them, and they'll pick one. <laughs> so that's the best. It's about making them feel included. Just overwhelm them with um, things that are inappropriate.
2: Yeah, we have... Disney is, you can, I'm sure, imagine uh, <laughs> the difficulty uh, with trying to, coming from Cartoon Network, do this style of humor uh, for the Disney Channel. I, I sort of, when I made my pilot for the show, I said, like, this show is going to be not like your other shows. Like, if you want to make this show, you have to expand your brand to include this. Other, like, I just had to be very upfront. Like And it, it was sort of like... Um, Uh, to to make a Simpsons reference, uh, when Lyle Lanley is trying to sell the monorail, um, he says, maybe you won't like this. Maybe it's more of a Shelbyville idea. And Joe Quimby's like, we will vote for it. Like, that's sort of, I was like, you know, maybe Cartoon Network would like this better. They're like, no, we'll do it. So then when they come to me and they're like, this is not Disney. I'm like, this is what you bought. (laughs) This is the show that you purchased. This is the show that did well in testing, so this is what we're going to make. But it involves a lot of conversations, and conversations is a nice word for arguments. Um, <laughs> and you often have to just sort of refer to precedent like we've done this before, you know what I mean? But th- it's weird the things you will win and the things you'll lose and sometimes it makes no sense. We, we had an episode where uh, they, they, they have a um, D- Dipper gets a flyer from Wendy for a Halloween party and it just it said on it like Halloween party um, uh, bottles will be spun no photos better wind up online and they're like bottles will be spun spin the bottle reference I- impossible never on the Disney channel and I was like all right, like you could watch happy days and like that wouldn't be offensive like what decade are you guys living in and they're like the party is unsupervised what could happen when they spin the bottle I'm like people will kiss each other. I don't I don't know and they're like you've got to change that. So like I fought them and I was like I was watching episodes of like Austin and Ally like there's got to be a spin the bottle reference I can call them on. And like finally, like, it was after, like, five emails, they were like, we're not budging, we're not budging, we budged before, this is the last straw. So I was like, okay, uh, replace, um, bottles will be spun with not S&P approved. Um, I was just basically being a dick at that point. Um, and they were like, the- our audience won't understand that reference. I'm like, yeah, but is it, like, against the rules? And they're like, <clears throat> not S&P approved has been approved by s <laughs> and So, so that's what it says in the flyer now that's not a victory it's not a funny joke it's not for anyone but I mean it's just it's like a little like talisman of like just
0: like the, what happens behind the scenes
1: <laughs>
0: do you guys have a particular uh, pop culture reference or joke that you really really wanted to get in the show but was just too dark or adult hmm. anything with pentagrams we can't
2: do pentagrams we can't do they fight us on Ouija boards too we're gonna win that one season two <laughs>
0: Uh, But anything Satan-related. I'm just happy that we're allowed to have our
1: characters drink soda. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: I I would expand that to ask, are there stories that have gotten away? You know, is there one that's uncrackable, something you haven't been able to quite land yet, but you guys have been trying to get into the show?
0: You know, there was an episode that... um, It was excellent, which... (laughs) But it was an early version. Like, season one, we were really trying to push this episode where Rigby wanted to eat an omelet to win a hat, but he he couldn't do it and he vomited, and then the vomit came to life and helped train him to win it. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, literally for, like... Every season, we'd be like, dude, excellent, we got it this time. So he still vomits the omelet, and they're like, no, no. They wouldn't let us do it, and they really thought it wasn't a good idea, and then finally, like, cracked it the other way where it was like, what if Rigby eats the omelet and he goes into a coma? And they're like, yes. (laughs) Which is so much more, like, realistic and dark. It was. But then, like, Mordecai, you know, like, he fought to get the omelette and like eat it himself to win him the hat because he was worried his friend was going to die and and it ended up like we won an Emmy for it and it was like, ah. But that was like a couple years of trying this crappy vomit man idea. Uh, yeah
2: I mean we've for every story you've seen there's like you know 10 dead story corpses that like tried and failed. Uh, there was there was an outline that I had in season 1 that was like halfway through the season where it was like they it was basically just like a 20 minute parody of the labyrinth and they were just like you're never going to it's just like mabel goes into the it's it's not the labyrinth it's like the labyrinth but the whole thing is just jokes about the labyrinth and it's like it's like a meta labyrinth. Like she rents the labyrinth, and Dipper has seen it a million times, and he's sick of it, and he keeps complaining during the movie. And she's like, "I wish the king of the goblins would take my brother away, so I can enjoy watching the labyrinth." And then he gets sucked into the labyrinth, and then like this David Bowie, like guys, like if you want to save your brother, you have to go through the maze and she doesn't want to save her brother she's just like she wants to hang out with the cool David Bowie guy Um, and like meanwhile Dipper has this B-plot where the reason he hates the Labyrinth so much is he's scared of puppets but he's not afraid to admit it he's like that movie's stupid that movie's stupid but really he's terrified of puppets so he's got to get over his puppet fear and like it's I thought it was hilarious um, but uh, the executives were like, we don't think anyone's going to appreciate this reference. Um, and it's, it's 20 minutes out of... Well, they were probably right, but uh, wait till season 10. It's just going to be all, like, labyrinth jokes. That's, the show's going to devolve to total shark-jumping uh, pop culture.
1: Uh, we can do one more. Is this a great question? Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't be on the spot. You guys were saying before that people came up to you and asked you to pitch... But, like, what did you do to get these people to come? <laughs> yeah. That's a good question. Yeah, who do you think you are?
0: <laughs> we have the same answer to that question. Well, we were working already in the industry, and so we had been working on a show, Flapjack, and, you know, as it was ending, like, if you're if you're in the studio, in any studio, like... They're constantly making new projects, and they're looking for stuff, and they're asking all the people that work there if they have any ideas. And so, if anybody asks you if you have an idea, you say yes, <laughs> and then you go and talk to them about it, even if you don't, <laughs> and just make something up on the spot. But like, that's pretty much it. Like, you go and pitch it out there, and hopefully it'll fly and make we, it work. Afterwards. We also did student
2: films, like, and that, ha- yeah. like, and particularly in you know JG's case, like that was the prototype. But like, we both made student films, and like now. Like, it's, like, to, you know, to show how old we are. Like, you know, like, we, there was no YouTube, like, when we went to CalArts. Like, it started, like, yeah. at the very end of it. And so, like, you could put your film online, but it would be as heavily compressed, like, you know, MOV yeah. file. Nobody would find it. And, like, now there's, it is, if you make something, you work really hard on it, you make it really funny, you make it awesome. You put it out there and get it in front of the right number of eyeballs. Like, you can skip all the steps that used to exist in, yeah. like, the traditional yeah. Hollywood pipeline where it was, like, you know, work really hard and start from the bottom and get an agent it's like if you make something funny and it winds up on funnier die and everyone's talking about it you'll get an offer you'll get an offer like th- that's a sort of an amazing new opportunity afforded to everyone right now that, that did like, not used to exist and we're like right at the beginning of that
0: and something that happened like on regular show I remember we were looking for board artists and I tweeted like I'm trying to find board artists and some guy emailed me his comics and I read them and I thought they were funny and I emailed him back and said do you want to take a test and he did and it was funny and I was like do you want a job and he said yes and he came out and I had never met the guy, never even talked to him. He's been working on the show for like two years now and he's really good. (laughs) But like that's what the internet has done for this business. It's like you can get a job. You're, You're visible with the internet. If you make something funny people will find it.
1: Uh, Are you guys able to look beyond your current projects? Do you have a what's next uh, lined up or is it just head down working on these shows? It's mainly that. But I
0: would really like to keep making television shows and maybe movies. Although I like stories so much that's why I gravitated towards television. You're just making stories constantly. And every week it's a new story and Feature the idea of working on one story for four years sounds really bad to me, but it could be cool.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have, um, like I said, like Gravity Falls is a beginning, middle, and end. Like we've planned it out, and so like I have thought about like what happens next. Um, I feel like my next, next thing I, I try to pursue. I want to try to do a thing that isn't on one of the kids' networks. Not because I don't like, you know, not, not because I'm not proud of what we've done, but just. Like, like we said at the very beginning of this, like, like comedy and storytelling comes from observation, and and it, it works best when it's a relatable thing that you've seen in your real life. And there's a lot of things that happen in adult life, like, even if it's just you know, like a a, a stress, uh, any, any number of like stresses and situations and things that are funny and things that are sad and things that are interesting that you just you can't even acknowledge that they exist. Like, like working in kids TV, you have to be completely like apolitical. You can't, for a second, look like you have a broader opinion about like cultural ideas and like like. like, I got a lot of opinions, you know? Um, (laughs) And I'm not saying I want to make some, like, didactic, like, newsroom Aaron Sorkin, but, like, I just, I want to be able to engage with these ideas, you know? Like, my favorite comedies, like, they take inspiration from everywhere, and, like, you are limited with where you can be inspired by when you're working on kid's TV, and that's an exciting challenge, but I want to try the next step after Gravity
1: Falls is over. Cool. Please give a round of applause to our panelists. (laughs) Thanks to everyone here at Nerdist Industries at Meltdown Comics and to LA.